Khalid, and this is the Unlearning Podcast, the show where we hear stories and interviews with myself and guests that reveal rules, beliefs, and behaviors that are actively or have in the past prevented us from moving closer to living our most authentic and liberated lives. At the Unlearning, there really is no topic too silly or too serious for us to examine together. So join us each episode as we pull up the hood on why it is we do what we do and the areas in our lives that could benefit from an unlearning. Everybody. I'm really excited to give you a little intro to the episode that you're about to hear. I got to sit down with my friend, my brother, Johnny Duke. Um, Johnny and I met at the first ayahuasca ceremony I ever took part in, and he has become a dear friend of mine. And the clip that you're about to hear is a clip from his upcoming album from the song Children of Light. Just wanted to give you a sneak peek of the magical music that he's going to be sharing with us in this album that's coming out and also to intro this conversation with him where we talk about ayahuasca, we talk about life and just the journey that we're all on together and I hope it brings some light to you in this holiday season. First thing I want to do is introduce you, my friend, to all the people who are listening. Um, I want to introduce someone who's become very, very special to me. I've known you, Johnny, I think for a little over a year now. It's been over a year since my first ceremony that you were at. And I have to say to anyone listening, Johnny Duke is a dear, dear soul for all of us to be able to encounter his music And his essence is just something that I have not encountered very often. Very healing energy. When you speak to him, you can tell that he's really there with you and interested in what you have to say. And then what he responds with and gives back is just pure magic. So I'm so excited to be here with you today, Johnny, and celebrate the upcoming release of your new album, Sonic Valley that I have been lucky enough to hear some sneak peeks on and have had repeating in my house. And I'm just so grateful to have you here today. So thank you for joining. Thank you, Dominique. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm really happy to be here with you and in this auspicious time of of, uh, post-ceremony. And yeah, let's dive in. Yeah, let's do this thing. And the whole point of the Unlearning Podcast is to have these conversations that help us to heal as a collective. Absolutely. You know, I have a um, a cup of peppermint tea that I'm drinking right now that I thought, you know, we had this extraordinary conversation on Saturday with Hunter and Andrea, and I was drinking peppermint tea, so I was hoping that I could kind of could dive back into some of those deeper talks and yeah I feel like that conversation with them was my early Christmas present almost you mm. know yeah because um, we're all mirrors and you, you you know you'll say something that reveals something 
to me and then I'll, you know, it's like, it was a really rich experience. Kind of, for me, it was like the ideal of, of dialogue where everyone's participating and everyone's inspiring one another. Yeah, I think I told you, I felt like it was like a woven tapestry. It just was yeah. so natural and the beauty that was coming out of it. You know, it's not often, and I'm lucky enough to have beautiful friends who I have great conversations with, but what was really unique is how many of us were there in that conversation. Yeah. Because you know, there was, what, four or five of us talking. Yeah. And it seemed to just flow and everybody was contributing and you could really tell that everybody was holding space and really listening to each other mm -hmm. and reflecting on what each one of us were saying. And that it really made me think about how much space to grow I have in my ability to listen. Coming out of ceremony, I had this expanded space of being able to really be engaged and listen and not be thinking about the next thing that I was going to say. I walked away like, that's what I want to be all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that, um, Listening from your heart is very different than listening from your intellect or your mind, you know. And we were very much in that heart space. And, and also in that higher frequency where you realize that there's really only one of us. And it's, it's difficult to maintain that, that awareness and that realization. But it's, it's pretty cool when you're, when you're there. Then you go back into, go back into your lives and then have to re-examine your relationships and how you relate to the world. Yeah, I, I very much feel like I'm in that, that space now. For context, guys, um, for everybody who's listening, we've mentioned the word ceremony a couple of times. And what Johnny and I are talking about is that we just have come out this past weekend of um, an ayahuasca ceremony. And ayahuasca is ancient plant medicine from the Amazon jungle. It actually is still used throughout South America and actually worldwide now there are people who are taking part in plant ceremonies to be able to engage in healing, not just for themselves, but for the collective. There's a lot of myth around the ayahuasca plant, and I'm going to do it injustice right now by just trying to give you guys a glimpse of what the ayahuasca myth is. The ayahuasca plant was in the Amazon, from what I understand, is where this happened was around Peru, but there was a uh, indigenous tribe where a woman would go out into the river and she would wash herself with the leaves of the chacuna plant. And every day when she would do this, she would be singing praises to it and thanking, you know, God and the plant for what the plant was bringing to her that she would wash her body and wash away the dirt every day and she was just in such open-hearted space and gratitude she would constantly be singing to the plant and it blessed the plant so much that the plant eventually spoke to her and told her that if you mixed me with this vine of this tree that she was near there was a vine crawling up the tree that if she boiled it down and mixed it together that it would be able to provide a medicine for her that would help heal her and her people and so that is part of the legend of the ayahuasca plant medicine and where it comes from and it has been handed down for longer than we can probably fathom so Johnny, is that what you've known about ayahuasca? Does that match your myth that you've heard? You know, I've I've never heard that specifically. But that's that's beautiful. That's um, 
you know, I think there are different origin stories and different cultures, even cultures that are in close proximity. But that sounds, I mean, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's thousands of years old that people have been using the medicine for healing. And, and you, you experience that with, when you sort of commune with, with it. it. It's almost like ancient doesn't even touch the, um, it's like infinite. <laughs> that's, um, that's a beautiful story. It's really wonderful. You know, you've been doing plant medicine, I think, longer than I have and just trying to compare probably and not in a way that's like to compare of one being better than the other. But I'm very interested in how people are called to the medicine. So can you share with us a little bit about how you came to know ayahuasca and how that journey started for you? Yeah, um, I was connected to it through a friend of mine, Joanna, and it, it was definitely something that I felt called towards i think that i think that she she calls you you know i don't know if it's it's for everyone but there's i definitely felt called towards it and and i knew that i needed a lot of healing from trauma and just really dysfunctional ways of looking at myself and and the world yeah it, it played a huge part in my life and kind of getting back on a a path of of wholeness and and there were certain things that, that led to that. I, I had had a couple of experiences with, with psychedelics that, that just opened my mind up to how small of a world I, I had been previously living within, you know, an ego consciousness. And so I, there were a lot of, I guess when you look back at your life, you can see how many little steps were necessary to um, prepare you for certain experiences. And I remember the first time, my first experience, I wrote Mother Aya a letter. And I was so worried about remembering the letter in ceremony. And she was, she was like, I got you, baby. You know, this is what you wrote. I, I heard you, you know, just like this very um, <laughs> mothering energy. You know, when you, you approach her or the medicine with reverence, she, she like, cradles you <laughs> and you don't even realize like how much you needed to be cradled by I don't know we're, we're kind of like little children in the midst of really um, almighty powers we so are you saying that I think I told you guys coming out of ceremony I'm pretty sure we talked about this but this ceremony I went in very humbled versus probably really my fifth one I went in with more of a like this is what I want you to do almost like giving her instructions versus being there to hear her instruction with arrogance is what I will admit and mm. so I got my butt kicked that time which taught me very well to come to her in reverence <laughs> sometimes you know it's like when you are a kid and you're like I'm old enough to do that and your parents are like, no, you're too little. And you're like, no, I can do it. And then you immediately hurt yourself <laughs> and regret it. That's basically what happened before. And this time I really, I really got to enjoy her cradling and her mothering because I came knowing that she's the wise one, not me. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. The first, our first conversation that we had after, after the ceremony, I, I realized she was, 
speaking through you, and I'm, it, like you weren't Dominique anymore. You, you were a vessel for this powerful wisdom. And I think that's the way we carry that with us. Because on a molecular level, it's our DNA is being altered. And so she's, she's with us. She's with us right now, you know? Yeah, um, I can actually very much feel that. And I agree with you about being called. Hmm. And that's, I think that that's actually why I like to ask people how they came to the medicine, because I very much felt that it was a call and not just like a whim that I, I think I'm searching to be like, is this how it happens? Because I had been thinking about doing ayahuasca for years, but there was something within me that still had a no current going on. And then the minute that I really had like a heart opening of yes, I didn't even have to go find it. Our mutual friend, Bridget, I hadn't heard from her in months. And she wrote me within four hours of me being like, I'm going to do it. She randomly wrote me on Instagram and was like, hey, just wanted to let you know there's a ceremony coming up. I mean, and it had been months since we talked about it. Oh, man. Bridget's an amazing soul. Every now and then I'll just get little messages from the universe that's like, oh, you need to send this to Bridget. And it always aligns with, she's always like, whoa, that's incredible. You just sent me this right now. It's just like, you know, those those synchronicities that um, I think since my experience with plant medicine, oftentimes more synchronicities tend to happen. And um, which I think is, I, I interpret that as you're in alignment with your soul. There's your there's an alignment that happens. Yeah. Yeah. In tarot, they always talk about your mind and your heart needing to be in alignment and like your body and that your action. When those three things are in alignment, then you have the flow and you have that peace and mm. you can move forward all facing one direction. And whenever one isn't in alignment, that's what causes that dissonance and yeah. that anxiety we see that with um with the messages that came through in the last ceremony what were some of the messages for you so again i went in very much um in surrender and what i asked her was that if it was appropriate to show me what it feels like to love myself Mm. i i've gone through life with all this armor up around myself Mm. and playing out patterns that I didn't see before. We all do this, but I'll speak for myself and say, trying to protect myself from rejection, I created a bunch of defense mechanisms that ended up being my shadows and not even understanding that that's what I was doing. And that's what we do as humans, just to stay safe. Because when we're kids, we don't have control over our lives. So we create all these, you know, defense mechanisms. And I've had times where I thought like, yeah, I totally love myself and yeah, I'm, I'm in that place of respect and I'm in my power, but I knew that there's a depth to it I've never felt before. And so I went in ceremony hoping to feel what it feels like to really love myself. Sorry, I feel like I'm going to get emotional and cry. <laughs> That's all right. It was so beautiful and um, such a gift. Actually, I feel it right now. Like, I feel it, like, for everything. (laughs) 
because we're all one and I don't know, it's just, it's hard to put into words, but yeah, just this well of love that is comfortable and safe, so safe. And the thing that I kept hearing in ceremony, which I told you guys was baby, just relax, just relax. And I think I felt the relaxation that happened when she would say, baby, just relax. I was like, oh my God, I have to remind myself to do this every hour. And if I do that, then that, then I'm going to be good. And she kind of chuckled at me and was like, or maybe just whenever you can remember yeah. the grace and the love in that, that self-love, no expectation, no bar for me to set that I can then fail. Like yeah. if I do it whenever I can remember going to succeed every time we will succeed every time if we just accept ourselves where we are and just try when we can to do the things that we are in alignment with with acceptance it's just that was most of my ceremony was just all these different mirrors of that and wow really beautiful um and you know there's all kinds of techniques to help remember um higher knowledge or the divine aspects of yourself. I, I went through a, I went through phases where I was almost like a, like an eager college student who's just, you know, I would, I would wake up journal and like examine my own um, thinking processes and, and, but, but it was very like intellectual. It was very like, oh, I'm going to, um, for a long time, I thought that I could, advance spiritually through through the intellect Mm -hmm. but i've been coming to realize more now that it's consciousness is is fundamental and that this stuff happens naturally you you start to remember more when you as you evolve as you expand your consciousness and awareness which has been really refreshing for me because i'm it's like, okay, I don't need to do all this. I don't need to like be obsessive. I think I'm always going to be a student in a way that's, I mean, you could say that some of that was programmed, but I think it's also a natural thing for me. I'm always, as a musician, I'm always trying to grow and and absorb and learn. And But right now in the space that I'm in, it's it's, I'm in a place of a lot more acceptance. You know, when some anxiety comes up, like, about this Kickstarter, then I'm it's like, well, I might not make it. I might not reach the goal. And and you know what? That's that's all right. Like I'm more so laissez-faire. Is that the laissez-faire? Uh, laissez-faire. Like it's all good. It's all good. I think you know it's hard to sustain that contentment. It's really beautiful when you're in it. Yeah, having gratitude when we have those full moments is something that I'm realizing and also that chasing it doesn't make it appear any faster (laughs) i know it's like it's like counteractive one continuing reflection that i've had from the ceremonies is how futile it can be to to force things anything you know that that whole um energy of forcing things to happen is like ultimately kind of pointless Mm -hmm. You know. So what what was going on for you in this ceremony? 
you know, this time I didn't, I've got a um, six-month-old little baby. Baby Moses. Baby Moses. <laughs> um, you know, so it was kind of a big deal for me to just to be able to step out of that caretaking intensity that I've that I've been in the last six months. And so I didn't have a whole lot of preparatory um, time, you know, but, but it was all right. I was able to dive right in, you know, and I also like I have um, every time I meditate, uh, I do a transcendental meditation two times a day. And that's a that's a big preparation for me in a way. Because I'm, I can jump out. I can like shift, or um, travel into a new state of mind pretty effortlessly. How long have you been doing transcendental meditation? Gosh, it's been coming up on seven years. Yeah, that prepared me for. Um, it's prepared me for so so many other experiences in life, and that practice in and of itself has changed my nervous system yeah. it just calms down my whole neural circuitry and and um, brings me much deeper into the present yeah so I'm, I'm super grateful to have that in my life and to come back to I'm, I'm still able to do it but it's more of a it takes more intention and creativity to make that space you know time yeah. it, just to time it just right you know yeah. <laughs> And can you tell us what transcendental meditation is? Yeah, it's an ancient practice. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi brought it to the West um, in the 1960s. And I guess it was popularized through um, the Beatles in a lot of ways. You know, they, they, had, they went over to India and um, George was getting deeper into Eastern practices and so that's kind of a cool association but um yeah i just i read i i got into it through david lynch of all people i read his book uh catching the big fish i was i was intrigued by it through the artistic lens of how expanding your consciousness can benefit your creative efforts you know and and he would describe how you can go from like a golf ball size consciousness to um to an ocean and i was really intrigued by that and so i i jumped in and i i've it's so simple and effortless and um connected to a really deep lineage um and you know you, know, you get a mantra that uh you're basically transcending through sound and that subtle subtle vibration of a mantra chanted brings you into a transcendent state of consciousness. You know, in the in the vernacular, it's talked about how we have three ordinary states of consciousness, waking, um, dreaming, sleeping. And then, you know, tran through the um, practice of transcending, you can open up to cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, unity consciousness. You know, there's those higher levels, and it's 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 amazing how simple it is. You know, it's it's simple and profound. Those two, I'm starting to find together more and more. Yeah, 
I recently went out into the woods for four days and did a fast and was by myself. After the second day, my mind finally started to get quiet because there's kind of like a ramp up that happens when you're doing that sort of thing that the monkey brain goes wild. And so it starts really acting out. Yeah. What those four days taught me. Nothing was trying out there. The trees weren't trying to be trees. The rocks weren't trying to be rocks. Everything just was. The power of just being. Just be. Profound yet so simple. Did you, you fasted for four days? Yeah. The only thing I did was drink water that had lemon and molasses in it. Oh, yeah. So that my electrolytes wouldn't... um, you know, I wouldn't crash or have like low blood sugar or anything like that. But yeah, it was yeah. my first time doing a fast. Yeah, I've um, explored fasting in the past. And yeah, it's like there's that it's it's almost like running in a way that there's that threshold that you have to get through where you're, you know, your habitual, your habits of, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat, you know, that it, once you get pat once you can like, surpass that it becomes like easy yeah you know and that fasting alone has is brings you deeper into the present and that can be a a spiritual journey in and of itself it really was since i started doing ayahuasca my life has changed and i have changed and it so many things have fallen away and some of it's been really painful some of it's been really great Um, But I wanted to ask if there was a shift in you fundamentally that happened after you started doing the medicine. 100%. Definitely as an artist, on many levels I've changed. As an artist, um, I became aware of how my role as a musician, how it's inherently a shamanic activity. I started to realize that Ways that music, um, oftentimes subconsciously, it it can help guide a listener through um, emotional reflection and on on levels that you know we're not always conscious of. And so I've the medicine showed me sort of my responsibility as an artist. And you know, you listen to I think that he. You were listening to my first album, Driving Home, and it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a break. Imagine. Yeah. The album, everybody, is called Reimagine. Oh, don't listen to it. It's, (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely a pre, um, pre ayahuasca album. I think that I used to look at, at, um, artistry a lot different. You know, I've, I think that having the, um, the privilege in a lot of ways to experience um, such love and there there comes with it a responsibility that I've learned to be a messenger of that to try to translate that into artistic formats and that's very much um, a big part of this new album that I've done which is using songs as like paintings of uh, other realms of consciousness and so that uh, from a artistic level that that's I've really fundamentally been changed on uh, more personal levels 
I think I'm just a um, much more considerate person. I've realizing that we're all in this together. We're all inhabiting um, the same planet. We're you, and you realize how how intimately connected everything is. I couldn't I couldn't get away with being a you know being an asshole anymore. <laughs> you start to behave differently when you. Um, when you've seen how it is, you know, when you've come into contact with truth, absolute truth. And it, I, I don't think that it's that we don't ever act like assholes again, but we are so aware of it. And you do it and you're immediately like, oh God, that's my shadow. That's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because every, um, every person you meet is a projection of, you know, your own evolution and that, um, I'll give you an example that's really present for me. I was going to a hot yoga class yesterday and this guy, um, like sped into the, into the dry, into the parking lot and almost hit me. And he was, you know, he was like, come on, move out of the way. Come on. He like, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm still in this vibration of being really tuned in to like, you know, sensitive subtle levels of things so that that was like jarring for me you know and it and it pissed me off I you know that was the the reaction it's like it's like what the you know <laughs> who do you think you are like but then I've reflected on it and realizing oh dang that might be like I you know this is more of the shadow stuff that might be a message of Johnny you got to drive better <laughs> you know like maybe, <laughs> maybe there was a time in the past where i've like i wasn't driving very carefully or and that's like a you know i think we get these messages in in our daily lives that you have the choice to to examine them or or you know throw a fit once i started doing i uh there really was no more of being able to blame others, but for so long, because I know I'm an ego. And my first ceremony was so much about her showing me, me being everything and everything being me. So at the end of the day, any blame that I'm throwing at anybody, I'm throwing at myself. It's really true. It, it, and it's a humbling truth. All right, Dominique, you got, there's a book I want you to read. This book has like, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's, um, it's called I Am That. Do you know who it's by? Well, it's a series of conversations with an enlightened being in India. It's with uh, Sri Nizargadatta Maharaj. And it's these different, different kind of travelers, seekers coming in to, um, to speak with this man and and, you know, at different stages, levels of spiritual development. And, but it is, it is, um, it's blown my, my mind wide open. And he has this, this one line that, uh, love tells me that I am everything. Wisdom tells me that I am nothing. And my life flows somewhere in between. And, um, that realization that thou art that. I'll read that book sometimes, you know, in the middle of the night. I've just, I'll, <laughs> I'll like come away from reading a chapter, and just like my jaw dropped. 
just like dumbfounded. Oh man, it's a it's a fast track to dissolving a lot of illusions. There's so much stuff going on, you know. It's pretty cool to wake up to and 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 see, and that's why you know I don't really get too too into politics. I th I think that might change as I'm. Um, go deeper into parenting and, you know, any time that I've been um, pulled into that kind of dialogue, I've, I, in my mind, I just always go back to, it's like consciousness. It's all consciousness, you know. I think that you do a really beautiful job of talking about um, current issues in a way that, that's very conscious. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. When I was really young, I was told in a synagogue once that I was an abomination because I was mixed. Whoa. And yeah, so that had an impact. But in the end, I still had to go to that synagogue. Like my family still went. And eventually I found out that like the girl who said that to me actually liked her. I ended up becoming friends with her and not because I wanted to at first. At first, I was really angry. I was really hurt. But then over time of being exposed to her, I got to see like this other side of her and realized that that one belief did not represent all of her. And so that happened a lot, you know, within my family, with people outside. And I actually, it, even though it came from a lot of hard situations and painful ones, it's been such a gift because... Yeah. I think I'm supposed to talk about it so that we can all see that the separation is not real. And these boxes are just yeah. keeping us from experiencing how awesome each other are. And so. how beautiful is it to embody um, multiple cultures? One thing that, that I think about a lot is, um, do you know who Ram Das is? <laughs> he would talk about um, planes of consciousness as turning the dial on a on a t television set, and how one plane might be your your biological paradigm, another plane might be your psychological, where you can see how um, you see a, a people in 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 terms of your psychology, and 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 then another plane would might be um, astrological. You know, you see, it's like, okay, there are 12 archetypes that are, like, existing together. And then, you know, and then you flip the dial again and you see one. You see, you know, I'm I'm looking at another me. You know, you, you see that, you experience that. And as he got older, he would talk about honoring each one as a, as a part of who we are. But I, I've always been inspired by so many different cultures through music, you know, and that's played a big, big role. And I think the, the way that I express myself and yeah. my, my Rishi Mahesh Yogi once said, I'm paraphrasing this, but um, something along the lines of um, the more that we experience unity, the more we appreciate diversity. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. I hope that we can experience more and more unity. Yeah, and it's all vibrations too, right? You know, um, I heard this definition of sound 
that uh, sound is the carrier wave of intention. The words that you speak can have a, um, can have dissonance, or they can have they can be harmonious. You know, you can speak in a way that that harmonizes with with someone else, and um, it's all vibration, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and some vibrations are awesome. Some can be really shrewd. You know, shortly after the last ceremony, I I think I told you this, but, you know, your your senses are so heightened that I I walked into a gas station and this little bell on the front door rang. And it normally, normally it would just be like, ding, you know, but for me it was like, like it was like so loud it just like it scared me it's <laughs> like okay i'm not gonna, i'm not going in there you know i feel like that's me most of the time in my house all of the lights are on dimmers yeah and i'm very sensitive to light and to sound which is why i appreciate your music yeah, and you know, like some of these songs from the this album, I wrote thinking about how would someone experience this in a ceremonial context or in in a on a journey. You know, every song has its own. They're all different paintings of you know. But some some of the songs I I was trying to bring that awareness into it. Yeah, which song do you want to share with us first? I think I'll play the the first song on the album, Galaxy Love. And this is the song for everybody who's listening. Um, Johnny played this song. Was it shortly after you wrote it that you played it in ceremony last year? Yeah. Or February, right? Like. Yeah, um, that that sounds right. And I kind of wrote it for the the ceremony in a way. I'm excited. Heck yeah, all right. Well, I'll, uh, happy to play. In through the heart 
soften all the pain scars the words she sang set me free she sang mother carry me your child I'll always be Time and space fall away into sand, into clay, and all the while I'm lost in love. Galaxy Open up their wings Taking through the owl's eyes Fear the truth of eternity See I've lived a thousand lives and space fall away into sand into clay and all the while I'm lost in love galaxy Does it feel different playing when you're not coming out of ceremony than when you are? Oh, absolutely. Can I ask you something about your album? Yeah, please. What is the thing that scares you the most about doing this? I love that question. Um, for me, the the a lot of the joy is in the making of it, you know, being totally aligned with a, a craft that I've worked hard at um, and being in those flow states, you know. But there are certain, like, I've found there are certain psychological barriers that I need to overcome in the um, sharing it process. The, okay, here, here it is. Now I need to um, switch gears into uh, um, how do I talk about it with people? It's like flipping to a different channel, you know, like, okay, now I'm in the, um, I've created it. Now I need to have the confidence to, to really share it. And that's something that I, it's really uncomfortable for me. It's vulnerable too, especially when the songs were created from such an intimate place, you know, 
that it can be it can be kind of terrifying. I've got this um, sort of like second mother named Nancy who who's an artist, a really great artist, and she she's helpful and and um, you know she's very New York, and she she'll be just like. It's like, don't give a shit what anyone thinks about it. Just, you know, you're here to make the art. You're here to, um, which is really tough for me because I've, because um, I want people to like it, you know, naturally. But It's a human instinct, right? Oh, Django just showed up, my dog. Hey, Django. <laughs> yeah. dogs, are, dogs are great for that instinct. We want to be liked and dogs are made for that. <laughs> they really are. He just wants to be included. Yeah, that resonates so much, Johnny. Um, like you have to get, you have to be vulnerable to share everything that you're sharing in your podcast is um, super vulnerable. I'm, I'm sure you've had to confront some some things in doing that. Yeah, it's been definitely an ego death. You know, um, because once we put ourselves out there, we no longer have control necessarily of what people do with what we say, of what people yeah. say about what we do. And um, that has been really necessary for me because I have struggled with control, mm-hmm. I struggled with fear, really. You know, fear is what makes us seek out control. And so, um, I really am committed to learning how to get over my fear and, or at least face it. Maybe I'll never get over it. And yeah. letting go of control in that way for me is, is part of the medicine. Yeah. You know, fear is not always such a bad thing. Keeps us alive. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you, when you like, when you confront it, it, Oftentimes it can yield to a new, to like a transformation of some kind, you know. Then there's like really stupid fear where you're like worried about what someone might think. <laughs> yeah, we all we all have that little child within us mm-hmm. that wants and needs to belong and wants that safety of being accepted. And I think. I don't know if there's any adults out here who are fully healed and have no inner child wounds. A lot of us who say we don't care about what people think and not everybody, I can only speak for what, what I've seen, which is that even in myself, when I have been able to say, Oh, I don't care what they think. Sometimes that in itself was just a defense mechanism. I might not have been in touch with my fear. I might not have been in touch with that part of me that cared. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more about being willing to be hurt and be vulnerable, being willing to put your stuff out there and people will say what they say and maybe it will hurt you. And I think once you're willing to be hurt, it hurts less. One of the paths that I take into growing in my spirituality is through path work, which is from this German philosopher that I've talked to you about. Um, And they, yeah, they talk about soft pain and hard pain and we cause a lot more suffering to ourselves with the way that we think and the way that we judge and shame ourselves. There is pain, pain is part of life, but when you can face it with that surrender and acceptance and with love yeah. for yourself, then it becomes, yeah, it sucks, but it's not like, 
Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that makes total sense that that's what you're, that's one of your fears in this. I think circling back to medicine, um, going through the process of writing these songs and singing them and uh, recording them and then sharing them, it's like what I've needed to do for my own personal development, evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it's not what I wanted to do. You know, I mean, that's just to be perfectly honest. I've, um, but, but it's, it's, um, it's a, like a part of my Dharma. It's, it's the, it's important enough to me to, to face some of those fears. Mm-hmm. I really do wear my heart on, on my sleeve and I'm usually surprised to be honest. Like I really, for a long time, I had really low self-esteem and kind of low self-worth, which was, which was conditioned. Um, yeah, but still I'm like, I'm like surprised when people, like I played, I, I started playing with this brilliant artist, Keb Mo recently, uh, playing in his band. I played a show with him in Decatur, Georgia. And I was like, I was like, gosh, I hope, I hope I did all right. You know, then someone, this younger musician came back and he wanted my autograph. And I was, I was just, I was like, like surprised, like, you want my autograph? Like, <laughs> but I just realized how um, sometimes my standards and myself are like, I can be a perfectionist and so high that in my own mind, I'm following short, you know, mm. but I realize in the reality of, of how other people are experiencing the music or it's like, I'm, I'm getting through and it's working. Yeah, it's definitely working, man. And may you learn to make your mind such a warm, kind place to be. Yeah. Where it's okay to have that, did I do okay? But where that voice will say, Johnny, you did great. That's what I showed me in my ceremonies. It wasn't that I wasn't going to have these, I hope I'm okay. I... You know, I'm worried that happens. That's we've been conditioned. We've been modeled to do that. But Mm. God, if there wasn't this amazing voice that was like, baby, you're amazing. Baby, just relax. I love you. See, that's like, that's the way you're describing it to me is the healthiest way to be confident and um, believe in yourself. Sometimes it tilts too much the other way into mm-hmm. like, like I'm the shit, you know, like very, it can be like an arrogant. Yeah. The way you're describing it is, um, I think, really healthy because it's it's like this balance between humility and um, self-love, you know, that's beautiful. Yeah. And then that, that probably can help you reparent yourself the way that you relate to I guess to piggyback on what you were just saying, I, there's a song on the album that explores that sort of unconditional love. It became a mantra for me that unconditional love is the highest vibration, and I just wanted to like almost like chant that at the end in the end of a, a song. And um, it's a song called "Eyes of the Child," 
And when, um, right before my son Moses was born, when I was hearing his heart on the monitor in, in the mm -hmm. hospital, I was like, oh man, I want to record this. So I, I recorded it in the hospital and actually put it in into that track. So it, that's you can hear it the in the beginning of it. And actually throughout it, his heartbeat going and and um, that made it extra special for me. Um, I can play that song. Yeah. I've played it in ceremony. I'm I'm not sure if it's one that maybe it was. You were there. the shore to the ocean Each wave falls as I'm floating Like a jellyfish Above the clouds Sun pours light into our world Rays of hope that smile and swirl Like a soft kiss La da 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 da, da, da. 
the child Return to the eyes of the child Sacred innocence In the eyes of the child the highest vibration unconditional love is the highest vibration You were actually, we were in ceremony together where the whole group was singing that, the unconditional love. Is... Yeah, so good. Oh, I'm so glad you, you like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So tell us, um, when does your album come out? I'm thinking th th in the spring. It's really okay. like a springtime album, you know. I'll probably release um, several singles before then, though. Okay. So if people want to find your music, where can we find you? Uh, well, I have a website. Um, most of my online presence right now has been around this Kickstarter. But I have a website, www.johnnydukemusic.com. Um, and my Instagram is duker with two R's. <laughs> yeah. On uh, Instagram, you can find him, at, as he said, at, at Duker, D-U-K-E-R-R. -R. And if you check out uh, the link in his bio, you can go and support Johnny and his awesome Kickstarter for this album that's coming out, which I'm so excited for and happy to be part of the crowd that is able to support you in that because I have been blessed by your music. So I will be posting some links in this episode that so that you guys can get to Johnny and his awesome magic but brother I cannot thank you enough for having this conversation with me for coming through and spending some time with us at the unlearning thanks for having me If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you know when a new episode airs. Also, feel free to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. For show feedback and requests, reach out to us at speakup at the-unlearning.com. You can also follow us at the-unlearning.podcast on Instagram or check out the show blog at the-unlearning.com.